turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 6 and stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. 2 Kings chapter 6. Reading out of the New King James Version. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So Elisha answered, Go. And then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went then with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, master, master, what shall we do? It was borrowed. And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Then he said to the servant, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I want to give you just a brief history until, and then share with you a very simple message this morning. Remember, Elisha was the one that followed Elijah. And poured cool water over the hands of this man and served him. And as Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven, he asked, uh, what can be done for you? And uh, Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Not that it's hard to ask. Not that it's hard to give. But the condition was that you be so near to me when I leave that you can see me. And what that's symbolic of is to have a double portion of God's spirit. You have to be so close to the voice of God. That's what Elijah was, the words of God. That if God were to move away, you would notice. And the double portion rested upon Elisha. And we see it in the miracles, twice as many miracles that were done. The widow's oil multiplied, the healing of Naaman's leprosy, the miracle birth, and then the resurrection of the Shunammite son. There's another lesson in this. That as your spiritual life and ministry increases, places that used to fit you will grow increasingly small. It said the place where we dwell is too small. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit that come upon Elisha, he not only was doing miracles like Elijah, but he was raising up a school of prophets that would also be able to minister for the glory of the Lord. And you'll find that as you grow, the clothes that fit you last year, don't fit anymore. You'll find that the things you used to think were great, you now see as small. As you grow, you get to expand. Your influence expands by God's mercy and by his power. Anybody ever visit your grammar school after you got old? And you went back and that thing that looked so big now looks so small. And this isn't something to make you arrogant. It's just a clear way of thinking when you, when you grow, you said, this place is too small. This is not big enough. God's plans for me are bigger than the life that I'm living today. 
This growth, maturation, and expansion will often relocate you. Not just geographically, but positionally, ministerially. As they grew, they said, we have to not only build something, we have to move because the place I'm in is too small. Big endeavors require the help and cooperation of others. He said, let every man take a beam from there and let us build a place where we may dwell. When you do something like our friends are doing, going across the world, going to spend their life there, they understand that they can be more collectively with us than they could ever be without us. That abolishes that, well, I don't have a church home. I just get, I get my church off TV. What? Did you get your lunch off TV? Did you get your supper off TV? You see, being part of a body, church is not about just hearing the word of God on streaming media. It's the giving, it's the sharing, it's the lifting up, it's the being held up, the understanding that we are more collectively than we can ever be individually. That's what Jesus meant by greater works than these shall you do. He wasn't saying, and I'm amazed at what I hear on Christian, te Christian television, you know, we're, to be, we're supposed to be greater than Jesus. No, 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 no. He was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he was talking about the indwelling. He said, greater works than these. You collectively will do more than I did individually. You, you will go into the world and shine the light, spread the salt, share the gospel. True servants of the Lord don't want to go anywhere or do anything without God's presence. Elisha was a symbol of that presence. He was, see, there was not a New Testament for them. There was... Uh, there was not the, the full revelation that we have. And the prophets, the Old Testament prophets were, the true prophets, the voice of God. They were God's presence with them, God's power with them. God did not reside in the individuals. And what they were saying is, we don't want to do anything if you're not with us. Church, can you say amen with me about this? We don't want to do anything if God's not with us. We don't want to go anywhere. His presence is paramount. And they didn't just dream, they labored. When they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. It's one thing to have a dream, but it's another thing when the dream has you. And I can tell if you're a dreamer or if you have a dream. Dreamers talk. People with a dream work. And these labored. But something happened along the way. Something happened in the journey. Something happened in the maturation. Something happened in the process. Something happened in the expansion. Something happened in the relocation. One of the servants, which is a type, you know, in the Old Testament, there's so many types and shadows. They're not perfect, but they, they relate a spiritual truth in the New Testament. Something was lost. While the man was cutting down trees, the, the head of the axe flew off and went into the water. He lost his edge. He lost the ability to work effectively. And we as believers can encounter a, a, a myriad of things that cause us to lose our edge. There can be an accident or a tragedy, uh, a loss of something, a loss of someone, uh, great, uh, just a great calamity that causes our edge to be dulled. Sometimes it's lack of use. Uh, you can dull an axe by leaving it out in the rain, neglect, just like you can beating it against concrete. 
that one that's left out in the rain and when your when your edge is neglected it doesn't rust when you leave it it rusts later and when we're not using our life our gifts our talents our abilities when we're not sharpening ourselves with the with the uh, with the word of god and, and and with the sharpening against iron upon iron sharpening one another then our edge can be lost through neglect and apathy when he lost his axe head this servant lost the sharpness necessary to do the work he was committed to do when you lose your spiritual edge you are like the man beating a tree with an axe handle it's not how hard it's how smart and those of you that know how to work on stuff you know you said measure twice cut once uh, people that cut their grass and I, I enjoy doing that and whether it's on my mower or my bush hog you don't have to tell me when my blade is dull all you got to do is look behind yourself how many grass cutters you know what I'm talking about you look behind you go oh if it's uneven grass is 12 inches high and this one's six inches high if it's dull it lays down for a moment only to mock you in about 10 minutes as it stands back I thought I just cut you oh you did ineffectively how sharp is the sword of your spirit this morning? I don't mean an edge to the negative. I mean, how quickly can you cut through the hindrances and obstacles that the devil puts in your way? How sharp is your sword when it comes against demonic forces and spiritual wickedness in high places where you can wield the sword of the spirit and tear through with boldness and confidence? Or are you the person that's swinging the sword only to have the devil stand back up and say, not sharp enough, buddy. Not sharp enough. This man was sidelined from finishing what God had called him to do. He was no longer equipped to take earthly things and use them for heavenly good. He lost the capacity to be industrious, effective, and faithful in the work of God. Because what he had lost, he could not do today what he was able to do yesterday. So... Although this is not a, an exhaustive list, what is our accent? What is our, uh, our, our edge? It's a pure heart, a tender heart, passion, boldness, confidence, fruitfulness, and a strong sense of God's nearness and pleasure. They that know the, the, their God, they that know him, and walk closely and believe are mighty and do great exploits. If your axe head is dull, whether it's by use or neglect, the why is not nearly important as the who. It's your fault. If you left it in the rain, it's your fault. If you beat it against concrete, it's your fault. And if it just wore down by using it, take the blades off the mower and sharpen the blades. That's our responsibility. If you're taking notes, long introduction, short sermon. You ready? Number one, what do you do when your life and ministry is dull? And I don't mean boring, I mean ineffective. What do you do when your life and ministry is dull slash ineffective? You have to first admit its condition. 
This guy had to admit that the axe head, the sharpness was gone. Like the prodigal in the hog pen, like Jonah in the whale's belly, like Samson in the prison house or Elijah in his cave, Simon Peter going back on his fishing boat, you have to admit, this is where I am and this is what it's come to. And if you live long enough in your Christian life, you will have seasons of great divine sharpness and effectiveness and you will also have seasons where it's become dull or lost and one of the greatest things you can ever do for yourself is to be honest before God. Be honest. Sharp is sharp, dull is dull. Pure is pure and impure is impure. Lazy is lazy and a strong work ethic for God is a strong work ethic. Being rich towards God is being rich toward God and being beggarly towards God is being beggarly. When you love the world, you love the world. And if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Be honest. It doesn't mean that it was, never, it was always this way, but it was that way today. When you've lost your edge, you need to know that those closest to you already know it. As your pastor, one of the greatest things that I love personally is I get to see the edge of your life and the sparks fly off of it when not me, listen, it doesn't matter who spins the wheel, it doesn't matter who the preacher is, but when the word of God comes against your heart and the sparks come off and I see the edge come up. I, I see you coming to life and effective, not just faithful, but effective. And one of the hardest things for me is to watch you swing your sword where you shouldn't be swinging it and live where you shouldn't be living and doing what you shouldn't be doing. And I watch the sharpness and the shine come off that sword and you come into this house with a rusted sword and think nobody knows the difference. I remember when you used to stand and the tears would come down your face. I remember when you would come early and leave late. I remember when your Bible was with you and your Bible was in you. I remember when I'd greet you in the foyer and I'd say, how are you? Pastor John, Jesus is so real to me and I've never loved him more than I love him today. And now, you know, you know, when you're the preacher, generally speaking, when people are doing good, they love you. And when they're doing bad, they just kind of go in different exits. They start parking on different. I'm serious. I, people, I say, where have they been? I ain't seen them. Kelly said, they're there every week. I go, oh. <laughs> like, I'm someone to avoid. Anyway, I better move on. Some of y'all lost your joy. Do you think he's talking about us? Well, if you're ignoring me, yes. Tell the, and I just told you, tell the truth. It's freeing. Anybody else in here, when you're not doing good, you avoid the happy people? Lord, I can't take her today. If she was going through what I was going through, she would be all that smiling and jumping around. And, no, she's gone through what you've gone through and then some, but she's learned the victory is found in her nearness to Jesus Christ. That's free. I don't know who that's for. That's just free, extra, not even in the notes. Not only do those closest to you already know it, it can't be hidden. Some continue to swing an axe handle as if, as if nothing has happened and nothing is missing. Just a wooden stick. 
against the tree. Once they were powerful, now they're powerless. Once consecrated, now carnal. Once on fire, now lukewarm. Once people of the altar, now people of the foyer. Once going somewhere, now going nowhere. Once worshipers, now silent. Once grateful, now complaining. Once hungry, now full. Once they thought their best was their reasonable service. Now everything they do seems to be a sacrifice and a chore. At one time they felt that they existed for God. Now they feel that God exists for them. In days past they gave to God first of their treasures. Now he gets leftovers if anything at all. Once they saw through other people's excuses. Now they are deceived by their own. They used to pray for others who were backslidden and indifferent. And now those people are praying for them. Are you swinging an axe handle without a head on it, without a, without a sharpness to it? Some excuse themselves from their vows, responsibilities, and the need around them. When you've lost your cutting edge, efforts at ministry, personal holiness, and passion for Jesus gives way to frustration, despondency, and eventually separation from God and his house. I forget the exact details of this story, like I, I do most of them, the older I get, but I remember the story. There was a, a, a study done, a controlled study, where they brought in actual lumberjacks, not the kind with the steel now, you know, with the 60-inch guys that swung axes. And they did a controlled study, and they put them in a room, and they asked them what their wage was. And I forgot, it was like $30 an hour or something where they worked. And they said, okay, we're going to give you $60 an hour. And they gave them dulled blades. And so they were at it about an hour and they were, you know, trying and swinging. And, you know, they come and knock on the door. Uh, this ain't work. This, this is, these blades aren't sharp enough. They said, well, we see you've cut some wood. He said, it's not the same. It's not, this, this ain't working good. He said, okay, we'll pay you $100 an hour. He said, no, it's not about the money. This, this ain't working. I'm, I'm swinging. And he said, but but you're making the same amount of money. And when I heard this phrase years ago, I've had to apply it to my life so many times, embarrassingly. He said, well, we'll pay you $150 an hour. He said, sir, I am a lumberjack and I have to see the chips fly. I gotta see that my life makes a difference where I'm at, where I work, my church. I have to see fruit. I have to see change. I have to see influence. I have to see ministry. It's not what you pay me. I was designed. He created and impassioned me. And I've got to see my work for God. I've got to see chips fly. And when they don't, we, God never let us get comfortable enough that we are happy just to be swinging a dull axe head. Your pastor is not exempt from this story in the Bible. In fact, I'm all too familiar with it. I remember nights where I stayed up all night. I went to, to the parking lot at Tattnall School and I told the Lord I wasn't leaving until I saw him, an angel, or something. Well, sun come up, you know, but the hunger there, the, I just want to be, I want to, I want something, something from you, O oh Lord. And even though he did not show up, he went in and cultivated, you see, 
I remember praying for a little girl who was deaf and I watched God open her ears. And as soon as I saw that miracle, I just laid on my face. I was afraid to look up in case someone thought that I was attributing myself to a miracle of healing and I did not want to take any part of, of God's glory. I remember praying all night long in an old house behind Northside Assembly of God with no heat, me and my buddy Kevin. I remember visions, dreams, unmistakable consecration, deep convictions, tenacious faith, genuine humility, passionate worship, expectant prayer, and a glow of the Holy Spirit. And I have to continually take that axe in and make sure that nothing on this world is on it. I have to make sure that regardless of the disappointments and the upset and the people for you and the people against you and all those, because my sharpness is my responsibility. You cannot do it for me and God will not do it for me. Guard your heart above all else because out of it are the issues of life. You're as sharp today in the knowledge of the word of God. You're as sharp today in prayer and you're as sharp today in ministry as you have chosen to be. Because everyone has the same rock to sharpen against and that rock is Christ. Please notice that this young man stopped chopping wood until the ax head was restored. The pinnacle of arrogance is to keep chopping away at trees with a wooden handle. I know that your heart is better when you stay away than when you go through the motions. Because once you learn to go through the motions, you're an actor. And once you're an actor, we don't know who you are. Okay, time to lighten it up. Everybody's like, Lord, everybody's just staring. Any of y'all ever been a part of a church, and don't name it, don't name it or the person, where the pastor had multiple personalities? Like, you know, he, hey, good morning, welcome, glad to meet you, Chuck, good seat, good, glad to meet you. And got up in the pulpit, well, if you have your Bibles, and you go, whoa, I would be in church, I go, who is that? Oh, that's the preacher voice. Does he talk like that? Mm -mm, no, that, that's the preacher voice. And then you got the voice when you're teaching and then you got the voice when you're talking to people and it's like, well, which one are you? And if you're not careful, you can learn how to be what they want you to be and never deal with the issue of your heart. Number two, you must recognize that what you lost wasn't even yours. He said, master, it was borrowed. Your life is borrowed. Your abilities are borrowed. Your relationships are borrowed. Your opportunities borrowed. Your todays all borrowed. The opportunity that God would use you as an instrument, that opportunity is loaned to you. This is the only opportunity to work for God for eternal reward that scripture tells us. Your life is on loan. And he's going to bring an account. He's going to bring the stewards in. And he said, the, the, the one that had one talent, he said, I doubled it. And, or, or the one that had five doubled it. And the one that had two doubled it. And the one that had one said, I know you're a hard man. And so I just buried my talent in the ground. He said, you wicked man. If you thought I was a hard taskmaster, you would have worked. You would have made sure that your tools were effective and that your life was bringing yield. God's grace for us was a free gift 
But what we, you know, that our life is God's gift to us. What we do with that life is our gift to God. We're going to give an account for these things. And it's important. Your pastor, the older I get, I just don't work with junk. I, my mower's not cut. Just cut it off. Refrigerator don't get something cold, sell it. Sell it. Now, if it don't fix, if grief can't fix it, sell it. You know, just, just get rid of it. Your dog won't come to you, get another dog. It's no problem. That dog's everywhere. Well, it's like family. Well, he's crazy. I don't need him. You're this close to being road trip. That close. So why would we be that way in the world and in the church? And those of you that are raised in church, especially in music, you remember that old statement, and I hate it because it was true. They'd say, good enough for gospel. And what that meant was you could have a a $5,000 stereo at home, and in the church you have $100 Delco, Radio Shack, you know, junk. Because what you do, it's good enough for gospel. It's good enough for the church. He is to get our highest yield. Our highest yield. The Bible speaks of an unprofitable servant. And a profitable profitable servant. Profit is that which is left over after the transaction is completed. If I buy something for $1,000 and sell it for $1,200, minus my travel time, I make the profit is what's left over. Do you know when your life, God has invested gifts, abilities, capacity, opportunity, years, health, resources, support, mentors, all of these things. And then what is left over after you spend your life is the profit. And there will be people that will be called by the Lord unprofitable servants. I'm not beating you up today. I'm asking you, what does your axe head look like if you know where it is? And the beauty of it is you, don't, you may not know exactly how to get it back, where you're powerless to do it yourself, you can go before God and ask. And that's what we're going to get to in just a moment. Number three, if you've lost your edge, you must retrace your steps back to the last place you had it. And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. What if the Lord said, where'd you lose it? I lost it here at the bar. I lost it here in front of the television. I lost it here in that emotional relationship with someone that wasn't my spouse. I lost it here at unforgiveness. I lost it here with my uh, habits or hobbies. I lost it with that renewed relationship from someone in my past that I should have left in my past. I lost it at this church that did not preach the word of God or this legalist church that preached more than the word of God. To get your edge back, you have to take the Lord back to the place you lost it. Acknowledge it. This is what caused it. This is what happened. And this is the last place, Lord, that I remember. I was, I was doing well until this. And no one and no thing is worth your edge. No one and no thing And by edge, I mean your capacity to be effectively faithful to the Lord Jesus. How is it with you today? 
Some lose their spiritual edge by using their acts in the wrong place, in the wrong way, for the wrong reasons. But most people don't plan on losing it. It's just little by little, stroke by stroke. The head is loosened from the handle until one day it's just, it just falls off. How is it with you? Is yours sharp? Is it secure? Is it in use? Or have you lost it? Where did you lose it? Did you lose it on the internet? Or at your job? Or with an unsavory group of friends? Did you lose it when you replaced God with pleasures? Or your natural life over your spiritual life? Did you lose it by apathy, excuses, rationalizations, or a season of lukewarmness? Did you lose it gradually or all at once? And there's some here today that really, if, if they were honest, do not have any idea where they lost it. Only waking like Samson in the lap of Delilah and waking in the time of adversity only to find out that it was gone. Ben, if you would, please come. Number four, and finally, God's power will meet your predicament if you look to God. They could not go to God without a priest. But the voice of God was there, and the presence of God was there, and the prophet Elisha was there, and they went to him. And here's what he said in verse 6. Look in your Bible, please. He told them to take him where it was that they lost it. So he cut off a stick and threw it in the water right where it was. So here's Elisha. He cuts, cuts off a stick, goes to the place. He said, where was it? Where was it? And he threw the stick in the water. There's no power in a stick, but there was a power in the type. If you will apply the cross of Jesus Christ, the wood, to the failure, the glory will come back. If you bow your knees, you'll stand straight. If you humble your heart, you'll feel again. He said, take me to the place. We got to go to the place. I'm not just going to say it. Show me where you lost it. The why or the how is not as important as the where. And right there he threw it in and the iron floated. You know, I know, uh, you know, Blockbuster has done went out, it's gone. It, there's no video stores anymore. I hope they have a, a video or a DVD of this though. That's one of those, uh, iron doesn't float. You, you know, if you lose something in the Oak Mulgee, it's gone. The Yoo-Hoo River, it's gone. Y'all ever see any of your friends' river? I got people that live by rivers and they put their pictures on Facebook. Look at this river and I'm like, what is wrong with ours? It looks like Yoo-Hoo. It's just horrible. And people inner tubing and drinking out of it. You take a drink of Oak Mogi, you just die right then. You didn't even get sick, you just die. So here's this muddy Jordan River. And I know this because Naaman, when he went to dip in it, didn't want to go in. It just was Okmulgee. And he said, there's no way. I, I don't know exactly where. I can't find it. There's, there's just no way. God said, but I can. What's impossible with you is possible. Listen. Instantaneously. My departure was over time. My restoration was instantaneous. My dullness was progressive. My forgiveness was instantaneous. Repentance. What he's saying is, 
what I did on that cross for you is sufficient to do the impossible and to bring you back. God will raise it, but you have to reach for it. The man of God made it float, but he didn't make it fly. He said, get it. He brought the iron to the surface, but he didn't bring it to the servant. Get it. Reach for it yourself. Reach for God yourself. You can't jump into a river and be cute, sophisticated, or try not to make a splash. The only thing that matters in that moment is, is that it is right there. Here's your chance. All you have to do is reach out and pick it up. And I believe there are waters stirred this morning. And I'm not looking for numbers or an emotional response. I'm asking you to humble yourself and respond not to me but God's word and say, Something's lost, something's dull. And I'm reaching for it today, God. If that's you, I just want you to come, stand at this altar, and we're going to pray and go home. It's, it's not what it was. It's not how it was. I want it back. I want it back, oh Lord. If you let it float, God, I'll reach out and grab it. You don't need anybody praying with you today. This is between you and the Lord. Raise me back up, God. Raise it back up, O oh Lord. Quicken your servant according to your word. May the waters of your heart be troubled. Now look for it. Look for it. It'll rise in your spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit. God said, this message was for you. This message was for you. Reach for it. I feel that in my heart. Reach for it. I want it back, O oh Lord. I want to pray like I used to pray. I want to read like I used to read. I want to sing like I used to sing. I want to witness like I used to witness. I believe there are those, no one looking around. You said, oh, I wish I would have got up. Oh, come on, come on now. Don't harden your heart. Come on now. I should have got up. I should have got up. Come join us. God bless you. God bless you. Now, those in the altar, there's no power in visualization. But sometimes if I see it, it puts a handle on it for me. Just picture yourself reaching in and getting that floating iron and putting it back on the axe handle. It still fits. It still fits you. Secure it. When you get on the shore, you put the extra bolt through or the screw through to make sure that it's firm. Church family, would you stand with us? And those in the altar, would you look this way? It won't take me but just a moment more and I'm done. Let me tell you the thinking of your pastor. I've been in a lot of church services and when people respond, that's when he gets down and he makes it happen. You don't need me. I just preach the word. This is you. And when you put it back on that handle, if God raised it, It'll work. It'll work. It'll work. So what you do is you just get back to where you... Well, what about all the, the long road back? There's not a long road back. He forgives. He restores. That's what grace is. So imagine that guy after he put it back on. And, and the prophet said, all right, all right, y'all go back to work. Follow him in the video.
my Lord and my God. My Lord. And it's just as sharp as it ever was. So who gets the glory? God. Get to swinging, baby. For the glory of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. See you tonight. Five o'clock prayer, six o'clock service.